0: Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Let's give Grace a big welcome as she comes up to preach to us today. Hey guys, how are you? Good. Okay. Maybe quiet. All right, I'm gonna have the kids come up front. And so, if you're a kid or if you're a grown up and you wanna be a kid, you can come up to the front right here. Yep, and parents can come up too. All right, we're gonna start off with a little story time, okay? You guys ready? All right, first I have a question for you Do you ever get hungry? Yes. A lot? Do you ever get so hungry that you eat so much food and you don't think you can ever eat again? Yes. yes. And then you always wake up hungry again? Yes. yes. Like, especially Thanksgiving? Yes. Yeah, you've had lots, lots of gross spurts. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to tell you guys a story about being hungry, and it's found in Exodus chapter 16. All right? Now I'm going to tell it to you as I remember it. Okay. So long ago in a land far, far away... In the depths of the wilderness were the Israelites. Right? Have you guys ever heard of the Israelites before? They were a group of people. And they were so close to entering the Promised Land. The Promised Land is like the best place ever. It was flowing with milk and honey. Doesn't that sound delicious? They were so close to entering the Promised Land. But then, oops, they didn't get to go in yet. They had to wait in the wilderness, which is not even close to being a five-star hotel, right? They didn't have vending machines, no pool, no comfy beds, right? Kind of a bummer. There was not a lot of food in the wilderness, so a vending machine would have been very helpful. So they complained to Moses and Aaron. You guys have never complained before, have you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they complained to Moses and Aaron, and they said... They are. They said, if only we had died in the land of Egypt where we had enough food to fill our tummies. You've brought us out into the desert to die of hunger. That's the tone of voice I imagine them having, right? Because they're complaining. Yeah. They must have been really hungry because they were getting kind of angry. Does that ever happen to you? You get a little hangry is what we like to call it. Yeah. Yeah, those people, they thought they were going to die of hunger. That sounds like an awful way to die, right? And so they were very worried. But God had a plan because he always does, doesn't he? And he told Moses, I am going to rain down bread from heaven. And the people will go out and gather some bread, just enough that they need for the day, every day. But on the sixth day, I'll rain down enough bread that they can gather it enough for two days. So that way, on the day of rest, they don't have to go out and collect food. And did you know that God fed them that way for 40 years? Are any of you guys 40 years old? What about any of you guys out here? 40? No? You're not that old. I know. Right? 40 is a long time, right? Can you imagine 40 years being fed by raining bread? I kind of imagine... This is what it was like. Oh, my goodness. Don't eat the bread, okay? Don't eat the bread. I imagine it was raining down from heaven, just bread, raining down from heaven, just like that. Or I remember a commercial from the 1990s for Raisinets, you know, those little chocolate-covered raisins, and there are raisins falling down from the sky, and there's a chocolate bar right up in the sky because that's normal, and the, the raisins, they fall through the bar of chocolate And then they become chocolate-covered raisins. And then all the kids are down, and they're holding out their big, oversized sweaters, trying to catch them, and holding open their huge baseball mitts, trying to catch the Raisinets. And the song goes, You Gotta Catch, Gotta Catch Some Raisinets. And I imagine that it was just like that. Just as delicious and just as cool. Don't you think? I bet it was just like that. (laughs) All right. So this delicious miracle happened 40 years, right? That's a long time. And then they finally get to go to the promised land. All right, so if you look at your parents and get permission for bread, you can take a couple pieces and then go sit back down, okay? But I don't want you to stop listening when you go sit back down, right? Because I'm going to reference this story, and if it helps you, you can color a picture about this story, all right? So, okay. You don't, don't eat the bread off the floor. You can come get it fresh from this little... Ben, over here, if your parents say yes, okay? <laughs> All right, the rest of you, while you're waiting, you can open your Bibles to John chapter 6. All right. All right, once you guys have gotten your bread, you can go sit back down with your family, okay? All right, so we're going to start in John chapter 6 at verse 25. And this is going to also be a story related to hunger and bread. So let's start reading. And if you don't know how to read yet, that's okay. You can just listen. All right, so this story happens, like, very soon after Jesus feeds the 5,000 people, which is a pretty amazing miracle, right? So let's start. When they found him on the other side of the sea... They said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, "'This is the work of God, "'that you believe in him whom he has sent.' "'So they said to him, "'What sign are you going to give us then "'so that we may see and believe you? "'What work are you performing?' "'Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. "'As it is written, "'He gave them bread from heaven to eat.' "'Then Jesus said to them, "'Very truly I tell you, "'it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven.' But it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Now, these people are getting hungry for bread, right? They had already been fed earlier. They're getting hungry again. And their, their physical hunger had been satisfied. And now they're going to find that their hunger... Is a little bit more than just physical. They're asking Jesus this question Sir, give us this bread always, and you can tell something big's gonna come. Did you guys know that we can be hungry in more ways than just in our tummies physically? Sometimes we call it desire or want. Have your guys ever said, Oh, I really want this, or I really want that? Well, probably never, right? <laughs> Yep, but we we feel this like emptiness inside us, like a void, and we try and fill it with things, and things that aren't always gonna fill it, right? Like we think a better job might make us happier, or if we get cooler toys, we might have some more friends, or have way more fun in our house. We might want love, like with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And we might try to change our appearance to make us feel more beautiful or have more confidence. Or we might want a better home that we can show off to our friends and then we'll be happy. Or we might want that one ring to rule them all. We think this stuff will make us feel really important or loved or special or popular or safe. We want it because our hearts feel empty. And we don't know any other way to fill it. And our culture feeds, us, feeds into this. Everything is sold to us by making us think that we need it or we're going to be lost without it. And, like, they prey on us and they know that we will go to crazy lengths to get what we think that we need. All right, if they tell us, you need this, we're going to automatically start thinking, oh, yeah, we need that. Like those big toaster ovens that take up, like, your whole counter space. And you get the toaster oven, and their, their, their sale pitch is basically, you can cook a chicken in it, or you can cook a small amount of cookies in it. Well, Why would you want to make a small amount of cookies? Come on. <sighs> but you get this, this toaster oven because you think you need it, but you've already got an oven in your house, right? Okay, so sometimes toaster ovens are great, but <laughs> it's kind of a silly example. But you know that you see it all the time whenever you're watching TV, We're out and about, and they tell you that this perfume will attract the most handsome man or the most beautiful woman, and it never does. (laughs) But we get so caught up in trying to make us have a better life, or better than what we think we have, that we just get lost in the purpose of what we're trying to fill. And maybe you guys can think of some things that you hunger for in your life. Maybe you can't. Maybe you don't realize it yet because sometimes we might like be addicted to trying to tr- feed us with that, but we don't realize it. So this is maybe a question for you to wrestle with and try to answer to yourself right away. But soon we realize that these things, they do not even help. like They just amplify the emptiness, and we just feel worse. And we get that sweet toaster oven and we realize that our cooking game has not improved, like we're still a terrible cook. Or we get that better job, or what we thought was a better job, and we realize that it's not that great, and it didn't really help. Or we get loads and loads of money, which sounds awesome, but you're not happy. And you still feel that emptiness inside of you. And when we feel that hunger still, we tend to feel depressed, or sad, or alone, or lost like we've lost hope, but Jesus, in the story, he's sharing a new message of hope to the hungry people, that he is the bread from heaven, and he is given to us by God, and gives us eternal life, and this is what fills our deepest, deepest hunger. Let's, um, let's, oh wait, so in listening, uh, the people, they're like, Jesus, give us this bread always. Like, they really want it. They're not indifferent. They didn't say, oh, yeah, that kind of sounds good. I think I'll have a slice of that bread. Like, they're just really into it. They really want it, because they can tell what Jesus is talking about is really important. So now let's start at verse 35 in chapter 6 and continue reading or listening. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing at all, nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. They were saying, Is not this Jesus, whose father is Joseph and his mother is Mary, who we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless they are drawn by the Father who sent me. And I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. So in the book of John, John tries to be very clear to tell you who Jesus is. Like it's all over. He really is passionate about people knowing Jesus well. Not just like knowing a certain fact, but like knowing important things, right? And so sometimes Jesus will say, I am the good shepherd, or I am the light of the world, or I am the vine. But here in this chapter, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And then it goes on to say, whoever comes to me, will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty the hunger that we talked about that we try to fill us and never seems to work can finally be filled with jesus the bread of life and whoever comes to him will never be hungry this is pretty amazing like i think we can kind of agree like yeah that's a good story to include in the book of john right thanks john and <laughs> Like, it's just very important. And we see Jesus saying, like, uh oh, he says that God draws people to himself. But you might be wondering, like, what does that mean? Does God say, oh, like, I pick you and you and you with the crazy hair. Just kidding, Ryan, your hair's not crazy. (laughs) But no, he, no, God is drawing everyone. Like, no matter how good you are or how bad you are. God is drawing everyone. There's nothing that we do to earn that, which is just his, God's grace to us that we get this gift from him. And this takes me back to the people of Israel. Kids, remember the first story I told you? Remember? Are you guys awake? Okay, let's think back to that story. So God chose the people of Israel to be his special nation. He didn't choose them because they had the best army or the coolest people in the country, or the best tourist sites, or they were just so worthy of that honor. No. They had done nothing to give credit to themselves to God, but God chose them out of his love, and he made a covenant with them, which is like a really big deal kind of promise that he'll like do everything he can for Israel to love and protect them, which is why... He liberated them from Egyptian enslavement. They were slaves in Egypt. And then there are the ten plagues, right? And they're freed from Egypt. And then they're running through the desert, trying to get away. Because the Egyptians are now chasing them, realizing their mistake. And God sends a pillar of fire and smoke to help them. And then they come to the Red Sea, and they're like, oh no! Like God's not going to help us! And then he does, right? And they cross the Red Sea, because God parts the Red Sea, And then they end up in the wilderness on their way to the promised land that they've heard so much about and so are excited for. And then they're complaining, right? I might complain, too, if I didn't know where my food was going to come from. But they just decided, oh, yeah, like, this is awful. Like, nothing good can come of this, even though God's done all these amazing things. Like, I think we can all agree that we've probably been that way, too. And God has been doing amazing things, but we just get distracted And we focus on the one thing that is out of our control or that we fear the most. And then we just become, like, fixated on it. And we ignore everything else. And then we're just terrified that we just start complaining to God. Like, oh, this is awful. We just want to stomp our feet like we're having a tantrum. And be like, oh. But in John 6, the same thing is happening. Like, God is doing amazing miracles and people are complaining like he had just fed 5000 people and walked on water and now he's like telling this telling them that he's like the bread of life and they're just like grumbling against him complaining like who do you think you are jesus like that's kind of the attitude that he's getting but i think we can all relate to that that we can get a little bit complaining about what god is or is not doing and in the Exodus story, God consistently fed the people for 40 years with manna. And every day when they would go out to collect it, I imagine that it would give them hope. And they would remember, God is for us. And God is going to one day let our, our children will see the promised land. Or maybe the children are starting to grow up and they'll say, one day I get to see the promised land. So it's like an everyday reminder of the faithfulness of God. And then in John 6... Jesus feeds the 5,000 with bread and fish and also offers them the bread of life. It's, um, and the bread of life gives us eternal life. And uh, John, he's very particular to note that eternal life is not just like a far-off dream for after we're dead. Like, eternal life, kids, do you guys know what eternal means? It means like, forever and ever, like unending. So eternal life is like unending life, which sounds great. But it's not just starting after death. It starts in the present. It's already here, but it's not quite yet finished. But eternal life encompasses all of life, from like the present when we believe and up until we are dead. And then God promises to raise us up from the dead, right? And so the bodily resurrection like, will also be a part of that when everything is made new. And we get to have a taste of heaven now because of that, because eternal life is present with us, and God's kingdom is kind of breaking into our dirty mess of stuff. And, like, some of the tastes of heaven now might be celebrating when a friend is cancer-free, or when broken relationships are restored, or when the hungry people are fed. Or when the sick are cared for. Or even seeing wildflowers blooming on that side of the highway. But this is the promise that of all who share the taste of the bread of life. That Christ fills our hunger and he gives us life. Let's turn back to the scripture and finish up. It's kind of a long passage. So we'll start at verse 47. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread, of, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. All right, that's the end of our scripture for today. All right, so maybe you guys have been noticing throughout the sermon that it kind of sounds like they're talking about something in particular, like with the bread. Can anyone, like, by raising a hand, I'll call on you if you can guess what you think it's leading to. I'll give you a hint. We do this in church very often. Any guesses? Jay? Yep, communion. That's right. Now, some of you might not know what communion is, so I'll tell you real quick. Communion is a sacrament When we receive the body and blood of Christ in a mysterious way through bread and juice. Now, kids, we aren't actually consuming real body or blood, right? That doesn't sound great. We're not consuming that. But they are symbols. Whose body and blood do you think they're symbols of? Anyone think they know? Jesus. Yeah. His sacrifice. We remember his sacrifice. And the bread and the juice are the symbols of Christ's death on the cross when his body was broken and his blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And ingesting it is not some sort of, like, magical remedy. It's a statement of faith. And we're saying, I believe in Christ, and he has given me eternal life. In, in this world of death and hunger, Jesus gives us life, and we participate in that life Each time when we receive communion, the people in the story were hungry, like so hungry. And we are so hungry too, not just in our tummies, right? In just things to fill fill us and try and make us feel happy. But in our hunger, we feel empty and like something's missing. missing. And when we try and fill it, it doesn't help because we're not filling it with God. But Jesus comes to us and he meets us and says, I am the bread of life. Those who come to me will never be hungry. And he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So I was kind of thinking like about our physical hunger. And I was like, oh, maybe like it's more than just reminding us that we need some nutrients. Right? Which is why we're hungry. Tell us to eat. But maybe... Every time our tummy rumbles, we can remember our need for God because we've all been in that place of hunger. Some of us already know Jesus this way, and some of us it's still a struggle because every day we have to say yes to God and decide that he is where we get our fulfillment and that he fills us because he's the bread of life. And maybe when we are hungry, we can remember our need for God. Because it's not unhealthy to be reminded of that. Now, what are some ways, I want to see some hands raised and hear some ideas, about what we can do to devote ourselves to God every day, to kind of live into this need for God, and what can we do? Any ideas, Morgan? Talk Talk to him. Yeah. Anyone else? I see so many hands, it's hard to choose. Jay. Jay. Morning devotions, that's right. Devotions are like studying the Bible, like reading a Bible passage and trying to learn from it. All right, anyone else have an idea? About maybe going to the life group? I mean, you don't go to life group every single day, but you're always talking to the people in your life group, and they support you, and you help support them. That's life-giving in the church. Now, there are lots of ways that we can pursue God every day. And... There also we have some physical hunger also that can remind us that we should be looking out for other people who are hungry because just because we know Jesus doesn't mean we don't have to worry about this ever again like there are people who are hungry that we know in like every area where we go so maybe we can when our tummies are rumbling we can remember that there are others hungry and to keep our eyes open for them and to be able to minister to those who need God. Who are spiritually hungry and also physically hungry. And maybe the full feeling we get after a satisfying meal. You know like Thanksgiving dinner when you put on your stretchy pants. Like maybe that feeling of fullness is a happy reminder of the, of the life that Christ gives us. Of the eternal life that he graciously gifts us with. And maybe we can not only offer prayers of thanks for, like, the actual food, but for God filling us and giving us the bread of life and saving us. And for the hope of the resurrection, the fullness of the resurrection to come. So today, in our belief and in our, in our anticipation of what's to come, um, I'd like us to all receive communion together. And everyone is welcome to the table, even kids. So I'm going to do a little quick explanation for some of the kids who have never taken communion before. So you'll come up. We'll have a server over here in this aisle. And then over here in this aisle. And you'll come up with your family. And then the server will say, the body of Christ broken for you. And the blood of Christ shed for you. And remember, it's not actually, they're just symbols. It's bread and juice, okay? And then you take a piece of bread that it's right here. And you dip it into the juice. And you can eat it now or at your seat, right? And if you need gluten-free elements, they're right up here in the middle, okay? And then once you take it, you can say, thanks be to God. Can I hear you guys say that? One, two, three. Thanks be to God. Yes. And once you get to your seat, you can talk to God and pray for a little bit, all right? And sometimes we dip the... We taste it, and maybe you don't like the taste of it. Maybe it's weird, and you weren't expecting that. We don't eat it because it tastes good, right? And we don't eat it because it fills us up. So you might like, want like five pieces of the bread, but we just take one. Because it's not supposed to be our lunch. You're going to go to lunch in a little bit. But why do we take communion then? Because God loves us, and God forgives us, and God gives us eternal life. And this is a perfect way to remember and celebrate that. All right. So we're going to get ready to have communion right now. Open our eyes, Lord Jesus, to see you in this common bread and in our common lives. In our hunger and our fullness, in our despair and our hope, in our worship and our work, feed us also with bread unseen. Open our hearts, Lord, and fill our cups to overflowing. Prepare your table of blessing. Even in the presence of our enemies, drench us with compassion for the poor and make us thirsty for justice and liberation for the oppressed. Pour for us the cup of heaven. Come to the table of the Lord, you who are longing for God's face, you who are weary from the world, you who have fed on the bread of sorrow, you who have quenched your thirst with tears, come, for the table is ready. These are the gifts of God for the people of God.